Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, and I'm the lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And I am so thankful that you are joining us today uh, because I believe that if you are joining us, you are joining us for a reason and a purpose. Uh, As God will show you, I hope, through maybe this message or at some point this week, um, something that we learned from today or things in the past that um, God will give you uh, the reason and the purpose of why you listen today. I hope that uh, you are enjoying this series. We just started. We're in week two. Uh, last week, uh, we started with uh, understanding of being Christ-centered. And I gave you guys a challenge of of uh, praying with your wife uh, every, every day uh, for at least 30 seconds, 60 seconds, maybe more. Uh, I hope that challenge is going well for you guys. Uh, I hope that... Um, that you've gotten some good value from uh, from what we shared last week, and and I hope it's uh, helping you uh, in your relationship goals uh, going forward. Uh, if you could share with me uh, in the comments or anything like that of a story, maybe that something came out about it last week that uh, that you would love to share with other folks that 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 prayer helped maybe or uh, something you just learned uh, from last week's message that would be that would be great. Uh, look forward to maybe hearing some of those comments. Uh, today, like I said, we're in part two of a message series. Uh, it's We're talking about relationship goals. And I hope that uh, all of you, in one form or another, have some very meaningful goals. Uh, hopefully you have some financial goals, maybe. Uh, maybe if you're into business, maybe you have some business goals. Uh, you might have spiritual goals. Uh, you might have some fitness goals, you know. And I hope that some of you or all of you have some relationship goals that we're, we're seeking God to honor him in our relationships. If you have some goals in your relationships, I hope they're incredibly meaningful goals. Okay. And in this message series, we, we want to recognize, we don't want what normal people have when normal is hurting, afraid, divorced, broken, insecure. We want something different to have something different. We must have some different goals, okay? We have four of them in our marriages, and so if you missed last week, I want to review them. Uh, if you missed them, missed what we had last week, I encourage you to go back and, and uh, check out part one. Um, it's called Christ-Centered. Uh, check out that podcast, and that way you're caught up before you even dive into this one, okay? But So let's review them, though. The first goal that we have is we want to be Christ-centered in all that we do. There's a big difference, uh, though, between calling yourself a Christian and actually living a Christ-centered life. Uh, we also want to be mission-driven. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, third is devil-kicking, and the fourth is we are covenant-keeping. Today, I want to talk about mission-driven, Okay, being mission-driven, but I, but I want to warn you up front, uh, this message is going to take some work on your part, Okay. Last week, we talked about being Christ-centered, and so we gave you one small application to simply pray together uh, every day, 30-second prayer, as I talked about earlier. I hope you guys had an opportunity to do that. Maybe it's a 60-second prayer. Uh, But this one, 
uh, is going to be uh, a little bit different. It's going to take a little bit of work. And so I need to warn you ahead of time. So I hope you guys are ready uh, to do a little little bit of work. So let's dive in. There are some times uh, when I've done some uh, premarital counseling, and there was uh, one thing I like to do when I talk to those folks that we do some uh, premarital counseling with. I, I try to push the couple in, in different ways to help them prepare, okay? Uh, here's my little my little secret behind the scenes, okay? I, I would almost always, I almost always look at the couple uh, a few minutes into our time together, and here's what's funny. They walk in and always, always doing the same thing. They're lovey, dovey, 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 you know, uh, snuggly, snuggly, snuggly. They're, they're kind of touching every, uh, each other all over the place. You know, um, you, you, you know, their hearts are kind of floating in the air. And at some point, uh, I would say, you know what, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little bit confused. I'm not really convinced you guys should get married. And I'd watch the blood drain out of their face, right? And what I would do is I'd try to force them to defend themselves and to give me a real strong reason why they shouldn't get married. And so I'd say, why do you want to get married anyway? Why do you think you're supposed to get married? And almost uh, all the time, they go silent. And then one of them, whoever's the spokesperson, because there's always one, one spokesperson, okay, they would speak up. And they would say, well, and I would, or I would ask them again, why, why do you think you're supposed to get married anyway? I'm, I'm not really sure that you are. And then they would say something like, well, because then we'll be happy because we're in love, because all the love songs on the radio make sense because we'll, we'll just be happy, right? And what I would try to help them see is that the foundation of a godly marriage isn't happiness, okay? The foundation of godly marriage isn't happiness, it's unity, okay? It's unity, Happiness may be the byproduct of a unified marriage, but happiness can come and go. We must be unified around something bigger than ourselves. And so I want to talk to you today uh, about that today, okay? Uh, We're going to talk about being unified in mission, okay? Being mission-driven, all right? So we're going to get our text from today is from Genesis chapter 1, specifically uh, verses 27 and 28. Here's what it says. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. In other words, the very first thing that God said to this couple was, here's your mission. Should you choose to accept it? It is going to be to go and create, multiply, subdue, conquer the earth. It's so interesting to me that the very first thing that God says to the very first couple is, you have a mission. The very last thing that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven is, here is your mission. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that my Father's commanded them to do. You have a mission. So why should, we, why should you get married? Because we can serve God better together than we can apart. The very first thing God says, here is your mission. Go out and multiply. Subdue the earth, conquer it. Now look what it says in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. He says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. What does God want to do? God wants to unite, right? God wants to unite. The problem is what God seeks to unite 
the devil schemes to divide. Okay, let me say it again. What God seeks to unite, the devil schemes to divide. Whatever matters to God, our spiritual enemy hates. You can look at the story of Adam and Eve. God creates them, right? And God gives them a mission. They are happy. They are blessed. They are content. They are fulfilled. They are satisfied. They're in love. After all, they're, they're naked in paradise. How much better could it get than that? Then, then an enemy comes up and up in the form of a serpent, and the enemy, the force of, of darkness, wants to disrupt their relationship with God, wants to distract them from their divine mission. He wants to destroy their unity. So what does the serpent do? What God wants to unite, the devil wants to divide. The first thing the serpent does is he separates Eve from Adam, right? He says, Eve, come over here, away from your spouse, over here, you know? Did God really say you're not supposed to eat from the fruit of that one tree? The first thing the serpent does is question the word of God. And then the serpent presents her with some pleasing fruit in some form and says, does this look delicious? Delicious, You know, you, you want this, right? What you don't have is what you need to be happy, fulfilled, and satisfied. She takes a bite of it and opens her eyes. And she runs over to her husband and says, this is amazing. You've got to try this with me. It's so incredible. And he eats it. And suddenly, sin enters the world. And they realize, hey, we're naked and we feel so ashamed. God comes onto the scene and he says, what in the world happened? And suddenly, what was united becomes divided. What does Adam do? The first thing Adam does is he blames both God and Eve. He says, well, this woman who you put here with me gave me the fruit to eat. And then Eve blames the serpent. And the serpent doesn't have a leg to stand on. Horrible joke, I know. (laughs) Hashtag dad joke, right? Anyway, I had to say it. I had to do it. I'm sorry. But the two will become one flesh. What God united the devil's scheme to divide. Unity in mission. In Amos 3.3, Amos asks the great question, can two people walk together without agreeing on direction? Do we have agreement? Are we moving in the same direction? Okay. Imagine if I'm with my, my wife and, and she says, hey, let's go on a walk. Okay. And, and can, so I, can we get to the same direct destination if I say, well, I'm going to go this way and you go the other way. Okay. See, we cannot get there. In fact, if the enemy was to divide... What is division? Well, die means divided or two, and vision is direction or mission. Division is simply two different directions, two visions. So how can we get somewhere with two visions? How can we please God with two different visions? Proverbs says, where there is no vision, the people perish. We could loosely apply this to our marriages, right? Where there is no unity in mission in marriage. We often find ourselves struggling I'll do my thing. You do your thing. What God wants to unite, the enemy wants to divide. So why are you supposed to get married? What's your marriage about? One of the greatest tragedies in marriage is when two people are together, but they're not united. If you ever asked me, what's your favorite couple in the Bible? I, I would tell you there's this amazing, awesome couples all over the Bible, but that many, there's several that many people haven't heard of either. Uh, my favorite couple in the Bible is not Adam and Eve. It's not Ruth and Boaz, though they're, they're pretty cool. Uh, it's not Rachel and Jacob. It's not Mary and Joseph. It's not Solomon and his 700 wives and 300 concubines. That, to me, has got to be the most 
com- complicated, ridiculous thing you could ever imagine. Think about it. Imagine 700 weddings, 700 women getting mad at you, right? Think about that. They're all wanting to run you over with the truck when they're mad at you. If you don't know what I'm talking about there, you, you missed last week, go back and listen to it. Then you'll know what I'm talking about. But that's a whole other story. My, my favorite couple in the Bible is a couple that, that's only mentioned six times in the Bible. But what I love about this couple is every time that one spouse is mentioned, the other spouse is always mentioned. You never hear the wife without the husband, the husband without the wife. You always hear them mentioned together. And if you ask me what made them strong, I'm going to share with you beyond a shadow of a doubt, what made them strong was this couple was Christ-centered. And they were incredibly mission-driven. And I'll show you this couple. Their names are Priscilla and Aquila. And maybe some of you heard of them before. And Romans gives us some insight about this married couple. It's in Romans 16, uh, and I'm going to read from you, for you today, uh, verses 3 through uh, 5. Okay, here's what it says. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Jesus Christ. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I am thankful to them, and so are the Gentile churches. Also, give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. So what do we know about this couple? We know that, that together they supported Paul's ministry, okay? We know they both risked their lives for Paul at one point, because it says that in there. And we know that they led a life group. Did you see that? It says, greet the church that meets in their home. They led a life group, right? And what we know about them is they were incredibly powerful because they were united in mission. Priscilla and Aquila, God wants to unite you together to do something significant for his glory. Now, for those of you that are not married and you're listening to this podcast, you're saying, oh my gosh, I don't like this podcast. In fact, I kind of hate it (laughs) because how does this apply to me? What am I supposed to do with this? I'm single, right? Well, if you were here with us last week, we talked about the idea of this. If you ever desire Christ-centered marriage, if you want a Christ-centered marriage in the future, you're going to want to live a Christ-centered life today. So let me apply this week's message this way. If you want a God-honoring, mission-driven marriage in the future, then you live a God-honoring, mission-driven life today. Okay? You're not waiting on some spouse to complete you. Jesus is the one who completes you. You can serve him fully and faithfully today. Your greatest goal is not to get married. Your greatest goal is to honor God. If he chooses someone to come along beside you, you worship him for that. Okay? But you don't need that to honor him today. You don't wait until the future. You live a mission-driven life today. In fact, I heard about this one girl. She was an amazing young girl raised in the church, godly parents, and she went off to school and she joined a sorority like a lot of girls do. And, and you know what they do in sororities, right? You, you got those little chants, you know, and I don't know. I'm just throwing out stuff because I don't know what they do. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know how it goes anyway. But anyway, they're invited. They invited her to a party during rush is what what basically happened and she went to the party and everybody's drinking from the keg and and she never did that before but she thought well everybody else is so I'm going to do that and she drank a little bit and then she drank too much so she did it again and again and again and before long someone offered her something a little harder so some drugs and being drunk she compromised took some drugs Ended up going too far with one guy. And since she went too far with one guy, she went too far with many guys. And she fell head on into this hard party scene. You had a Christian girl who gets all tripped up, messed up. 
couple years into it, she's lost in the middle of this very dark world, and she sees a guy that's everything she wanted the whole time she was growing up. He's cute. He's godly. He's bold. He's a leader in the, the Christian fraternity down there. And so she goes home and says, Mom, I saw the most amazing man. He's everything I've ever dreamed about. I prayed about this guy when I was growing up, and, and, and she described him to uh, the mom. And the mom looked back and said, not in a condemning way, but in a very loving way, she said, sweetheart, you need to acknowledge a guy like that is not looking for a girl that's living like you're living right now. You don't wait until the future to get your life on track with Jesus. If you want a God-honoring, mission-driven relationship in the future, your only plan is to live a God-honoring mission life today. And I said it last week, and I want to say it again, and I'll probably say it again next week, all right? You don't build a life of righteousness in the future on a foundation of sin today. So what do you do? If you're not married and you hope one day for a great relationship, then become the person that you're looking for is looking for, okay? Become the type of person that you'll want to marry one day, okay? Today, you, you live a God-honoring life. So, so what do you do? With everything in you, you say, I'm just walking toward Jesus. I'm pursuing Jesus. Jesus is my focus. He is my will. I want to show his love in this world. I want to make a difference in this world. And as you're walking towards Jesus, okay, keep your eyes focused on Jesus, the author and director of your faith. But every now and then, just kind of glance to the side, just for a moment, for a second, not for long, okay, and see if there's anyone relatively attractive walking towards Jesus like you, okay? And with the same passion, the same pace. That's what you're looking for. And if you see here, her or him, okay, you, you kind of just shift next to them, right? And then you start walking together. And you develop a friendship around serving Jesus. Not around your favorite sports team, not around whatever your favorite rock group is. You're walking towards Jesus with everything. You develop a spiritual relationship. And then one day you will recognize, I actually think we can serve Jesus better together then we can't apart. What's our goal? It is to be Christ-centered, to be mission-driven, to be devil-kicking, and to be covenant-keeping, right? And that is why we're coming together. What's your mission? What do you stand for? If you are married, let me ask you, what is your mission? Where do you serve? Where do you glorify God? And you might say, well, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor Dan. D does that mean we, we, we go find a, a, a team, maybe serve coffee together at church? Maybe but it's probably much broader than that. It may be partially what you do to glorify God in the church, but hopefully it's also what you do to glorify God outside of the church, okay? Because the church was never meant to be contained inside of a building. We are the body of Christ, released into the world to make a difference, seven days a week, all for the glory of God. So what is your mission together as a couple? What unites you, okay? Think about this. What are the most unifying forces on planet Earth? If there's anything that unites, what unites? There's two things. There's a common mission that unites and a common enemy. If we're trying to do something together, that unites us. If we hate the same thing, that unites us. Okay? You know how it works. Okay? You, you, when you're at work, you can hate the, the coworker uh, all day long, right? And then you get a boss that everybody hates, and you hate the boss together. And now you like the coworker you didn't like before because you hate the boss together, right? It's a common enemy and a common mission that unites us. So I'll ask you, if you are married, what do you both righteously love, the mission, and what do you both righteously hate, 
the thing that you look at in the world and say, God wouldn't like this. And on behalf of him, I don't either. And where you see those things unite, that's often an indication to a great place where, where perhaps God has joined you together to make a difference in this world. Maybe you both love hospitality and cooking. And so you see it as a very real ministry to show the love of Jesus by making meals. You know, when someone has a baby or when someone loses someone, you make meals. Maybe you hate whenever people are coming to church and you feel all alone. Uh, and, and, and so you together aggressively, passively, aggressively, passively, if you can do that, show the love of Jesus to people as they come in, okay? Maybe you used to be in debt and you took a class and now you're out of debt and you love financial freedom and you hate the bondage of living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck, so you lead a financial class together to help other people find their way out of debt. Maybe you both love kids, and I mean love, love, love kids, and maybe you decide to serve in, 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 in children's ministry, youth ministry at your church, okay? And, or maybe you hate to see that there are many kids in your community that don't live in a great home or in a foster situation, and so you recognize maybe we should foster a child. What are you called to do together? What's your mission? You're not just together to be happy. You're not just together to, you're, I'm sorry, you're, you're together to make a difference. Here's what I hope you'll understand. Unity in, in marriage, it doesn't mean that you're the same. Unity means that you are together, okay? We are in this together. It, it doesn't mean that we just uh, have to be doing the same thing, but it, but it means that we are together, okay? I support God's call, you support God's call. Don't settle for something less than that. Don't just share an address together. Don't just have a sex life with somebody. Don't just e evolve into roommates because your life's only about the kids. Don't just be about a sports team, okay? Don't be about your house or your amazing yard. Or maybe don't even get into the whole Instagram showing or social media showing where look at my shoes, my purse, woo, you know, all those stuff, okay? Why did you get married? Because you serve Jesus better together. What are we? We are Christ-centered, we are mission-driven, and we are devil-kicking, and of course, we are covenant-keeping. Years ago, I did a wedding ceremony. When I came to the end of the ceremony, I had typed a typo in my notes. And when I said the two would be united, unfortunately, I typed in the word untied. Bad mistake, right? Later on, I looked at my typo, and I realized there was only one letter that was out of place. When the letter I was in the right place, you read united. When I is not in the proper place, you become untied. Anytime I'm not under the lordship of Christ, unified in our marriage, we become untied. Where God wants to unite, the devil wants to divide. One of the greatest things you can do is to have a driving force. We both love this. We both hate that. Therefore, God is using us to make a difference in this world. It doesn't have to be something big. It just needs to be something together. Okay? I told you this was going to be a message that would require work, right? At the end of the, most of my messages or most of these podcasts, I try to end with passion to inspire you or with something emotional to move you, okay, or, or some kind of challenge, right? But this one is going to take some work because I'm not closing this podcast. The end of this podcast is 100% up to you. Thanks for joining us for another Venture Podcast. We'll hope to talk to you next week. See you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.